0: please visit RedemptionOKC.com. Let me pray for us and just uh, get us focused in on what it is the Lord has for us today. Father, I do pray that your spirit would open the eyes of our heart to see your great love for us in the person of Jesus. Father, would you cause us to love your grace, to be grateful for your grace, to be motivated by your grace, that we might serve in the gifts that the Spirit has given us as the Spirit strengthens us day by day. We pray this in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a story is told that during World War II and some of the rubble of... um, bombing and all the things that happened in World War II that there's a statue that, uh, that had been sort of the kind of shrapnelly caught part of the statue. And so, uh, it was a statue of Jesus and that statue of Jesus, the hands of that statue had been knocked off. And so post World War II, uh, when they were trying to rebuild everything, uh, people tried to reattach the hands of Jesus to the statue of Jesus and, and put him on his body. And they tried over and over, tried multiple ways and the hands kept falling off. And so finally they gave up and they just put a plaque under the statue that says, uh, th- that said simply, uh, Christ has no hands but ours. Don't you love that? There's a reality for us that we have the honor of being Jesus to our world. We get to be the ones that serve the world, and we get to put Christ on display. We get to be the body of Christ, living out his presence in the world. And that's part of our call as a church. And so today, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be talking about gifts of the Spirit in this series on the Holy Spirit. The fact that the Spirit equips and empowers his people. To live as the body of Christ in his mission. Christ Himself, before he died, said He would send to us a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. He distributes gifts among his people in order to carry out the work of Jesus in our world. In fact, Ephesians 4 says that one of the, the spoils of war that Jesus won for us in his victory over sin and death is that he gets to give us gifts. And so uh, that, that he, his victory on the cross and his resurrection is gave him spoils that he gets to share with us. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8 says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he he led a coast of captives and he gave gifts to men. So it's through Christ's victory that he's able to send the Spirit to bestow upon us his gifts. In fact, the origin of our gifts then is the grace of God and the plan of God. The origin of, of the gifts that we receive, uh, don't, they, don't, they don't originate in us. They're not ours because of our spiritual performance. They're not ours because of the great, strong faith that we have. But ultimately, the gifts come to us because of the strength of Christ and because of the generosity of our good God and spirit. Hebrews four. I'm sorry. Hebrews two, three to four says it was declared at first by the Lord Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. So it's through Christ that the gifts eventually come to us. Jesus' victory means that you and I are given gifts, and we're invited to participate in God's work. And one man I would describe it as a cosmic go to work with Daddy day. Um, don't you love that like you get to be a part of the grand work of the universe in some small part And, and the fact of the matter is that god is alive and he's active and he's bringing about his eternal purposes and you and i get to help and so in the grand eternal plan of god that's unfolding century by century millennia by millennia we get to live in a sliver of time and we get to have a role to play in all that god is doing in the universe that's remarkable, and that ought to blow us away. And so this is really about us getting in on life with God and getting to be a part of all that he's doing. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. let start in verse 1 and then jump down to verse 4. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. to each." is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and uh, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of one body. So there are, uh, though, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. So, fascinating passage here that Paul is writing to talk about the different gifts. And you notice he says, uh, about the gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed, meaning There's something here that's important, something here you should know about, something here you should recognize. Now, one of the themes as you unpack this verse, or these verses, is this kind of dance between unity and diversity, right? And so he says over and over, there's these words that show up like, there's one, there's the same, there's this togetherness aspect of somehow we're unified as one body doing something together. And yet it over and over says there's diversity, that there's varieties of gifts, there's different kinds of gifts, that not all of us have the same thing, that there's one body, but many parts that all play different roles within the body. Now it goes on, in fact, in verses 14 to 27 to unpack the importance of the fact that we're many parts functioning together. And he he wants you to understand how critical you are to the thing when he says, look, it doesn't matter what role you play, you matter, you're important, and that for in the spirit, I'm sorry. M, says, "No one should say because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body." Meaning, you know, you may have a different role you wish you could play, but that doesn't mean the role you are playing is, is insignificant. That we need a foot and a hand. We need both to function together as a healthy body. And so we also, uh, so so we can't look down on the part that we play. We need to see our and value our importance. We also can't look down on someone else's part. We can't say, "Well, I don't need a foot or I don't need a hand." We all have to be together in order to function as a healthy body. Now you notice in verse 7, it says, "To um, To each there is a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one of us. That means each of us experience some kind of a gift. And so in that, there's, a, there's something that comes to each one of us. That's you and that's me. And it says that it's given a manifestation of the Spirit. What he's talking about here is, is the specific gift that you've been given in order to serve the body of Christ. But you notice the word it uses there, the manifestation. Uh, I love how personal that is. That somehow it's our experience of, of the gifts we receive and then using the gifts that God's given us. And in that, the Spirit of God is actually revealed to us that we get to know who the Holy Spirit is partially by receiving the gift he gave to us and by utilizing the gift that he gave to us. And so there's a revelatory or a personal aspect of it as well. But you notice in verse 7 it says that to each was given a manifestation of the Spirit, a gift of the Spirit, for what? For what purpose? For the common good. So this isn't ultimately all about you, right? Ultimately that the, the gift that you, that you get, were given is for the good of the whole. That ultimately we serve one another and we build one another up. In fact, I love what it says in the Ephesians 4 that it says each person does his part. It builds up together the body of Christ so that we reach the fullness of the stature of Jesus. We begin to look more like Jesus as a whole when every single person does his or her part as a part of the body of Christ. Now in verse 11 it goes on to say, uh, all, these, uh, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so how many spirits are there? One. And is there is there a different spirit? No, it's all the same spirit. So we all enjoy a blessing from the one spirit of God. So there's a unity together about God's purposes and what he's doing in us. But then... It says, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so there's diversity. There's uniqueness. And so you don't just get swallowed up as in the whole, but you actually become more unique. You become more yourself. You become more distinguished from others as you use the gifts God's given you. As you recognize that God made me a certain way. You know, in, in, uh, in Psalms it says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. That he knew exactly who you were, and he designed you and crafted you exactly as he intended. And so there's a uniqueness to who you are, and there's a diversity in the body of Christ. We are not all the same. And not only that, but he apportions to each one of us a unique gift. We don't all have the same gifts. We have different things, different ways in which we function. He apportions to each one as he wills. Now, that word apportion, uh, so I think the thing we need to recognize here is, first, that, that he gives gifts. These are gifts that he he distributes when he portions. It means that he that to apportion something is to give it away in the proper proportion. He's giving us things that we need individually, but in that it's one Spirit who is at work in us and who empowers us to use these gifts for the common good. So we all receive gifts, but we all have unique roles. We all have unique capacities. We all have unique um, unique abilities that we bring to the table. Now I don't know if your family's like mine, but in my family Christmas is kind of a big deal it it tends to like stop everything and we halt Uh, my wife plays Christmas music way too early because she looks forward to it gets ready for it Uh, one of my kids loves to do that the other kids don't like it and so there's like this battle in our house about how quickly we get, get ready for Christmas but you know Christmas is always a fun time it's the lights it's the tree it's family it's food it's all the fun that takes place and if you're kids it's really about what the gifts. It's about the presents. And so you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and uh, you you maybe sneak in and try to figure out what the presents are ahead of time, but there comes a point where everyone gets to open their presents, right? And in my family, the way we tend to do that is all the presents are under the tree, and all the family gathers around, and there's one person who gets the role of being the distributor of the gifts. And that person has the job of going over into the tree, picking up a gift, and they, they first do what? Well, they look at the tag, and they want to see what name is on that tag because that gift was picked out and selected and wrapped specifically for an individual. And so they find that person on that tag, and they go and they distribute or give that gift to the individual for whom that gift was intended. And then we wait, and that person eventually gets to open their gifts, and everyone else gets their gifts, and we all get to open the thing that was intended for us. Do you see what, what the Scriptures are saying here is that the Holy Spirit is the distributor of gifts to the body of Christ. That in the the joy of the Holy Spirit, he gets to go and say, now what is it that I have for this person? And there's there's a gift with your name on it that was wrapped up perfectly for you, and he gives you that gift, and he gives you that gift because he wants you to have it. And that gift is unique and meant to be or intended and purposed for you to be used for the good of the, the whole church and the mission and the cause of Christ. So in the spiritual realm, the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts. And God is the one who, who who puts the names on the name tags and says, to each one of you, something will be given for the common good of the church. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you may be wondering what we mean by gifts. The Bible offers a list of diverse gifts that cover a broad spectrum, from speaking gifts to serving gifts, from leading gifts to behind-the-scenes gifts, offering wisdom and discernment. Uh, offering care and mercy ministry. There's all kinds of gifts, administration, the gift of giving. Uh, there's all these things that are listed in the scriptures. And I'm not going to have time to unpack all those today, but if you look um, at several passages, you can go back and read through these later. And each of these contains a list of uh, of various gifts now most biblical scholars don't think that those lists are those lists are exhaustive these are representative of the kinds of gifts that god gives but it's not intended that every one of us has exactly one of these gifts and so later you may want to go back and unpack those um and, and as you um as you do one of the things that, that i think is helpful to do in life is begin to think about how it is that that god has gifted me where, where am I to use these gifts, and how do those work themselves out? Now um, it's likely that there are other gifts in addition to these, um, but I think it's important for us to, to begin to unpack that because scriptures say, um, he does not want us to be unaware of what our gifts are and how those play a role. Um, now, ultimately, we each bear, bring our whole person to bear on the work of the work of God in the world, and so we have our personalities and our our passions we have our experiences other places in the scriptures where it says that the things which god has comforted us from the the hardships and the suffering that we've been comforted in we can turn around and use those to comfort others and so god uses everything about who you are in order to further his work so your experiences your passion your personality your wiring your natural skills and abilities and your spiritual gifts and all those things work together to enable you to help further the cause of christ and so this is one of those things we want to unpack. Now, um, we don't have time to to walk through all of this today. As I looked at this, there were other things that I know some of you would like, well, I want to dive into some of this a little bit further. Uh, we're going to push that back. We probably need to have another equip night or, another, or or maybe an equip class where we unpack some of the ins and the outs of all these things and exactly how they function in the world today. Uh, but the thing I want us to understand today is is the primary idea that the Holy Spirit Comes to each person within the church, gives you gifts that you are to use for the common good of the body of Christ and for the common cause of Christ in the world to make Him known and to celebrate His grace amongst others that need to know Him. And so, Ephesians four uh, speaks of the fact that we each uh, that the, the we we grow as a church as each one of us does its part, does our part and together that's what builds up the body of christ and so uh, that's the the primary thing i think that we want to see in the scripture it's fascinating me in the scriptures every time these are mentioned uh, it, it talks about both unity and diversity and it also talks about humility and so it talks about the fact that there's this variety of gifts and we all are going to look different and we're all going to bring our own personality and our own our own giftedness to the mix of the church but we're to ultimately we have to recognize that we have one lord we have one savior we have one holy spirit uh, that, that distributes the gifts and we have one mission that we together work towards the end of but in doing that what happens when you bring a bunch of people together who are very diverse yeah, some of you have been in a family or something. Like, you just know. Like, you're going to butt heads. You're going to find places to, to rub each other the wrong way. You're going to have someone to look up and go, man, my gifts are pretty cool, but I don't know what you're doing over there. And others of you are going to look and go, man, I, like, I, I wish I could be like that person over there, but I don't I don't really think I've got anything to offer. And the scriptures prohibit us from doing either of those things, from, from minimizing the gifts we've been given or from envying the gifts others have been given. It says, you should trust the Lord that you're going to flourish and that the body of Christ is going to flourish as you enjoy that which you have been given. So it says, do not think too much of your gifts, but it also says, don't think too little of your gifts, that ultimately you need to trust the Lord. It's a walk of faith as you trust all that he is doing in you. So God has wired each of us uniquely. And and this means that we let's learn to rejoice in one another, to affirm one another, uh, that uh, that we should naturally encourage one another, cheer for one another, help one another uh, as, we, as we move forward in the work of the Lord. Uh, it's interesting in First Corinthians 12, um, I love kind of where it drives and um, as it gets a little further down into the passage. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see how there's a community aspect to this, that in our uniqueness, that there also is, is a sense of togetherness. And so we're to honor one another. If one person's down, then we're all, we're all coming up under that and trying to bear up their burdens. If one person's rejoicing, then we're all ready to give a high five and celebrate. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ is we function as a healthy team. And so we function or, or, or a healthy family that, that works together. <clears throat> now look with me at Romans 12. We're going to see another aspect of um, the, how the body works together. Romans 12, it says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone, this is verses 3 to 8, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. There's one body with many parts, one ministry, many roles, one mission, but many gifts. Uh, do you get the, the flavor of what, what Paul's trying to get us to understand here is that there's one thing we're about, but we all get to play a different part, and so there's uniqueness, and there's a togetherness in that. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting to me the Bible uses this image of the body and all its intricate and amazing parts working together. Any of you watch any football yesterday? I had a little fun with my alma mater yesterday, but um, but it, I won't go too far into that because I I want to still want to be your friend. Um, but you know it's remarkable when you watch a football game and you see amazing athletes that are sprinting down the field with amazing uh, amazing speed. And as they as they do, you think of all the body parts that are working from the big toe. Um, up to the arms that are pumping. And you think of uh, that body then in coordination, leaping in order to catch a football. And the eyes that watch it, the head that turns, and the elbows that extend the hands out, and the legs that, that spring so that that person jumps and grabs hold of that and scores a touchdown. And, and so you think of the, rema- the amazing way in which the body functions. What happens if any one part of that body fails in that moment? Well, you don't score. Right. If, if the knee gives out, you can't leap and catch the ball. If one arm folds, unless you're unless you're obj, maybe you maybe you can pull it down one handed. But most of us uh, got to get two hands on that ball. Unless your head is able to turn and spot the ball, and you have the hand eye coordination to make it all function and all work together, you're not going to succeed. It's the way the church works is that each one of us has a role to play. Each one of us has something to do. And in, in God's sovereign plan, the design in which he, op- he caused us to operate, is that each one of us plays a part in what he calls the body. Christ is the head, and we are, the, we are his body. And we execute the plays that the coach calls on the field of battle in life. And so this is what we're to be about. Now notice Romans twelve six. 6. Um, I love sometimes just how straightforward the Bible is. It says, if we've got all these amazing gifts, let us what? Use them. Doesn't that sound like a mama? Hey, kid, use your stuff. Like, go get your chore done. Like, just do the dishes. You know, like, there's just things we have to do. I love how simple it is. Because, look, if we've given you all these gifts, if we've put you in the body, we've positioned you within the body to, to fill a certain role, then just go use your gifts. Go do the stuff you're supposed to do in order to bring about the goodness of God's mission. Uh, part of what that means for you and I is that you matter. Your contribution makes a difference. We all we all have some have a play that's a part to play that's essential. Now, <clears throat> from having done this for a long time, I just want to acknowledge that some of you don't think you have much to offer. Some of you, because of whether it's your background, whether it's your history, whether it's you, you have a church model that says, well, wow, this is about you know, people that are celebrities on stages that do really big stuff, and I don't think I'm ever going to be that. Or maybe it's because of shame and something in your background. Maybe it's because of things you did in your past that you think, well, surely God couldn't redeem and restore and use me. Um, but I want you to know God, in his grace, wants to use you. He wants to use you to further his plans. Sometimes shame can bind us from doing the things that God wants us to do. Here's the thing. Um, Who does God use in the Scriptures? Noah? Well, the first thing God God used Noah to to build the ark, and the first thing Noah did was get drunk and fall down naked in front of his family. And God used him. Think of uh, Moses. Moses was a murderer. Um, Think of King David. He was an adulterer. Think of the apostle Peter. Dude was so angry, he chopped a guy's ear off right in front of Jesus. How would you like to be that? And Jesus looked at him and was like, "Dude," and put the ear back on. And was like, "Again, son of thunder, you know, like you always got to be railing away at something." Um, think about Paul. Uh, Paul was basically an enforcer of terrorism, dragging women out of their house and throwing them in prison, and acknowledging others that stoned people to death. And yet, God made him the missionary to the Gentiles. You think God can't use you? God can use you. Don't allow anything to keep the power and the grace of God from working through you to bring about his purposes. Part of the way you get to know the Lord and you get to know his love for you is recognizing that his Holy Spirit has given you gifts that you bring to the table that he wants you to use by his power for the good of others and for the sake of the cause of Christ. And friends, you're saved as a free gift of grace, but you serve as a free gift of grace as well. It's all of grace. I think it's important just to say this out loud. The level of your availability is more important than the level of your ability. The ultimate, it's are you available to the Lord? Are you willing to be used? Are you, are you actively, presently seeking to be used of God? It is much more than the capacity or the ability that you naturally, in, that you naturally imbibe. Um, one of my old professors, Dr. Hannah, used to say, is not true greatness found in the cause to which we give ourselves rather than in ourselves. See, the greatness of what we are about is about being part of God's mission. It's not about how much you and I can accomplish. It's about what cause we're giving ourselves to. 1 Peter 4 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. See, God gives you grace. He gives you gifts. And your job is just to manage them and steward them for His purposes. And so, as each one of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the very oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? That ultimately this is not about us, this is about the Lord. And is it, does it broaden your, and expand your view of the church to think that the church is not just a building where people meet sometimes, but the church is a people gifted and empowered by God to be the presence of Jesus in the world? That's what the church is biblically. It's, church, it's people that God has gathered and called out to represent Jesus as, the, as light and salt in the world. And so when you engage in a specific action, using your gifts and resources in serving one another and serving the cause of Christ, it's actually part of your worship. It's part of your your honoring the God of the universe. And this is the ultimate purpose of your life, to honor the Creator when you do the things you were created to do, the things you were saved to do, the things you were gifted to do, the things He's empowered you to do, that that's part of your worship. And so when the glory of God is your focus, it's amazing how much it changes things. The endurance you draw upon will seem bigger. Uh, the sacrifices and difficulties you endure will seem smaller. The, the fear that you face is minimalized, and the grace you feel towards others is maximized when your eyes are on the Lord and you're focused on his glory. So friends, as we think about this and think about how it is we can apply this, here's what I want us to just acknowledge today. The church flourishes when we're all engaged, when we're all bringing our unique are unique gifts to the common cause of Christ in the world. That's what causes the church to flourish. And we thrive when we engage our city and move out in mission to our world, just as our Ecuador, our Ecuador team did last week. Our team that went to Ecuador is landing, uh, really, I think any minute, uh, they're, they're landing here in the city, coming back from a trip where they all took their gifts and they went and used and had different roles to play, doing medical missions in, in another country alongside our brothers and sisters in Ecuador. And so as they went and served there, they were using their gifts, and the church was caused to flourish, and it honored the Lord. So we want to be a church where everyone serves with that kind of a sense of belonging and mission. If you've ever been a part of one of those teams, there's just a sense of coming together for a purpose and it's a short-term thing that you do and there's a sense of man we're all in this together and we're all going to pitch in and if you need help I'll I'll jump in and help you and if I need a little help I'll ask for you to come pitch in over here and but at the end of the thing you go man look what we were able to accomplish and that's what that's what we all the sense we all ought to have in the life of the church we all ought to have a, a sense of belonging to the mission Now, when we were a new church, we used to joke about the age and life stage of our church being an infant. Uh, Now, if if you've ever, like, parented a little child, they tend to be focused on whom? Themselves. Like, it's just mine, mine, mine. You know, like, the, I want to eat. And it's like, see something? It's like, Ugh. you know, I'm just going to eat it. And I, so they're the almost all of the, the energy that's expended when you're an infant is focused on yourself. And so for us as a, as a new church, so much of our energy was spent on just surviving, right? Like setting up and tearing down and getting the church ready to go to, to function and like pulling off a Sunday felt monumental when we were first starting as a church. And so, so much of our energy had to focus on ourselves just because of the reality of the life stage that we were in as a church. But there, our reality is changing, isn't it? As we prepare to move into a building, as we, uh, we will really enter a new season of mission as a church family, we'll be less about our own survival and hopefully we'll be more about engaging our city and more about loving uh, the, the people of our world and more about being a life-giving presence in the world around us. And so it's not that we'll need less of your effort, it's just that we're going to redirect and refocus that a little less inward, a little more outward. And so as we think about the transition that we're in, I hope it's exciting for you. It's exciting for me. Honestly, it's like we've been building to this day where we can unleash some of who we are and some of your gifts to serve a greater cause than just getting ourselves up and going. And that's part of the process, and that doesn't look down on what we've done. It was a necessary part of what God does. He takes a church, and you build it up. And then you get to a point, but you get to a level of maturity where it's like, now we're ready. And, and, and sometimes, the, some of us thought that year should have come a couple years ago. We're like, Lord, are you going to get us there? And, then, and sometimes it takes a little while. But he has, and he's continued to develop us and help us to mature, and he's brought us to this point, and now he's going to redeploy us in some new directions, and it's exciting for us. And so this whole idea... Of the Spirit's gifting us for service in the church, I recognize that for some of you that may be a paradigm shift. Some of us think about church, and church is a place you go and and observe and experience something. But really, when you look biblically, when you look at what the scriptures have to say, the church is us. It's a people that are unleashed in ministry and in mission. And so each of us has gifts, and each of us has the Holy Spirit. And so we're being sent out into the world. Jesus says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. And so we're being sent and empowered and gifted for service. So let me ask you this question. Do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you know the gifts that you've been given? I want to encourage you to find them. A few things excite me as much as a pastor is seeing a person that starts to get in touch with the, the, the way that God wants to use them in the world. And you just see there's something life-giving and energizing in them as they go, man, I recognize that the Lord's at work in the middle of all this and I get to be a part of it. I get to go to work with Daddy today. And I get to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And so the best way to, to find your gifts, honestly, is just go do something. It's to do what Romans 12 says. Uh, if, if you've been gifted, then just go use them. Go figure it out. Um, and, and by serving and trying new things, sometimes you grow and you redirect and you listen to others and you remain humble and you work for the good of others and for the glory of the Lord. And as you do that, God's going to refine. He's going to shape. He's going to help you understand <coughs> excuse me more clearly how it is that you're wired but i want you to know that you have something good to give so a good place to begin is just asking yourself questions like these and um, what kinds of service opportunities do you find yourself regularly gravitating towards and enjoying and um, what things do you find yourself doing regularly what roles do you drift towards when someone is needed uh, when do you feel like god like you're being used by god How does your natural passion and personality fit with the gifts? What gifts have have been recognized by others and affirmed in you as they observe your life? Look, trust those who know you, who watch you. When they they see something in you that comes to life when you're serving and they affirm that in you, listen to that, to the counsel and the wisdom of those around you. And what life experiences might point you in the direction of your giftedness? And when do you sense God's smile? as you honor him in your service. These are all things that can help us get more in, inclined in understanding what it is that we're gifted to do. But I want you to know you have something to give. When you use your gifts, we all benefit. Friends, there's, there's a powerful multiplier that happens when your gifts come together with the church's need. That there's something, there's something that, that multiplies our impact when, when, when your giftedness fits with the needs of, of the cause of Christ. And there's places that, that we need you to step in. And when you step into those places, using the gifts that God's given you by the strength that God gives you, good stuff always happens. It's just the way things always work. Um, many of you know, maybe you realize you know Michelle Barton Frias. Uh, Michelle does a great job. I told her today I was going to talk about her, so she's a little nervous that now. But... Uh, but Michelle does a great job with our prayer and care team. And a couple of years ago, she came and just said, I've just got this burning desire to make sure that no one slips through the cracks. I just, I sense that there's an opportunity for people to get lost in our world, and we live in such a transient world, and I want to make sure that everyone's cared for, that everyone's prayed for, that if there's a need that someone has, that we're in touch with that, so we can take it to the Lord and pray for those things, and so Michelle jumped in and just started helping us lead up this new team we started called the Care and Prayer Team, and in that, she's just been a huge blessing to her church, and so as we've been talking lately about buying a building and moving into this building as a church, uh, she was kind of... She was, honestly, she was kind of angling for like a sneak peek. And she wanted, she wanted a little bit of inside information. And she was like, so where is it? and What's going to happen? And she was asking me all this stuff and I didn't tell her. And then I got up and told you guys that were moving downtown. And when I, when, after I did that, she came back and was like, ah, you know, she's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me that. You knew that yesterday and you didn't tell me. And, uh, but then she said this, she sent me this message that said something really simple. She said, I'm so excited. You're really going to need me now don't you love that? Isn't that great? Like she just recognized. She said, when we move downtown, there's going to be so many people whose lives are going all kinds of different directions and they're going to need to be loved and cared for and they're going to be brought in and they're going to need someone to come alongside them and encourage them. And if all these new people from that area of town, if they all find their way in here, we're going to have to really work hard to care for them. And so it wasn't a sense of, look how important I am. It's a sense of, Look at the great mission God sent us to. I can't wait. I can't wait to embrace those people and invite them in and help them become part of this thing that God has for their life. That's what I want for you. I want you to look at your your gifts. I want you to look at the role that God's called you to play within his body and say, I'm so excited. You're really going to need me now. Because it's true. It's what the Bible says. We, we won't flourish as we're intended to be if we don't each play our part. So, friends, as we head into this new season, are you excited? Um, are, are, are you ready to, to play your part? Do you recognize that we really need you now? That God's going to do his work through you? Because it's not just for Michelle, it's for you too. <clears> That's <throat> how I want us all to feel, excited about the cause of Christ we can't wait to get started using the gifts that he gave us through the strength that he he offers to us for the cause of the glory of God. It's good stuff. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I do pray that we would get excited about the cause of Christ in our world. Father, in all the busyness of our lives and the hectic pace that we can't keep up with, would you cause us even right now just to stop, to step back and just say, Lord, what is life ultimately about? Father, we're called to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love others as ourselves. Father, would you help us to be about that business? Would you allow that to be the thing that compels us that we would be all about your glory and all about the good of those around us? Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We'll